Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Um, You've downloaded a very special episode, folks. Uh, First of all, it's position preview week. You learned all about the quarterback situation from Scott Pianowski and TJ Hernandez in our last episode. Uh, Today, we're going to be discussing the running back landscape. And I thought to myself, who better in the fantasy industry to discuss running backs uh, with than an analyst whose entire brand basically is that running backs are bad and you shouldn't draft them. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. I'm joined today by Roto World's Denny Carter. Denny, what's up? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. It's great to see you like, you know, actually face to face here. I mean, obviously over the computer, but um, we've never we've never done this. We've been online friends for so long. This feels right. I know I have. I mean, at this point, most relationships in my life are like that. So (laughs) I have a a lot of this moment where I'm interacting face to face with somebody for the first time after knowing them for like, I don't know, eight years, 10 years, whatever, but only ever going back and forth on on social platforms. Uh, For those who don't know Denny, first of all, you should be following his unverified Twitter account. I, normally, I wouldn't recommend an unverified account, please. But um, his is fine. At <laughs> uh, CD Carter 13 on Twitter. The crazy thing is that most of your burners are verified. That's weird. It is. It is weird. I have a 13 verified uh, parody <laughs> accounts. You know, it's just people probably know you from such accounts as, as the Matt Harmon Twitter feed and the JJ Zacharyson Twitter feed. <laughs> that's, that's all, that's all part of Denny's empire. Yeah, Denny sort of generally is a fantasy thought leader, I guess I would say. So today we are going to be getting into, again, the running back position. Uh, as uh, as Scott Pianowski, I was just listening to his quarterback preview podcast. And one of the things that he was pointing out, of course, is that quarterback is odd in fantasy it, in that it is by far the most important real life position in the NFL, probably in all of team sports. And in a in a fantasy league of typical size and shape, it it's kind of a, a an afterthought, right? Like if, if you're only filling one quarterback spot in a league, it's not really a big deal. There's 20 to go around that uh, that you'll feel pretty good about. Running back, basically the exact opposite of that. Like the the smart teams in real life don't throw a ton of money at the running back position. It is generally regarded as a spot where replacement value is pretty high. It's a terrible spot to park money unless you're talking about one of those two or three truly difference making athletes. Um, but in fantasy, it, it can be just about everything. Um, so I guess I would say that traditional uh, uh, fantasy players, maybe traditionalists like myself, are are not 
running back averse at the top of drafts, right? I am generally getting maybe two running backs inside the first four or five rounds. Part part of the reason for that is that like if you drafted Christian McCaffrey last year, you literally in Yahoo leagues, you had an 82% chance of making the playoffs in your league. So um, for fantasy purposes, it's just really tough to beat a high volume running back, especially one with a goal line role. But part of the reason that I wanted to talk to you for this episode is that you are... um, like I think a, a, about as enthusiastic a supporter of zero RB drafting as uh, as anyone I know. So I'll let I'll let you get into the into the philosophy of it and the history of it. I, I believe that it it sort of owes its origins to a Sean Siegel article from uh, 2013, r- like sort of radically great piece of fantasy writing, um, really smart. But why don't why don't you sort of take us through what the general philosophy is? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, zero RB is not a religion. Uh, no matter <laughs> what people say about me waking up and praying to Antonio Gibson every morning, you know, that's not it's it's not a, <laughs> it's not a religion. All right, so uh, it's definitely not applicable zero RB to to every league uh, in every format. Like, um, uh, you know, I'm doing a, a, a draft right now, the Apex uh, Fantasy Writers Draft with a bunch of. Uh, uh, industry thought leaders like myself. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I don't <laughs> think of myself that way, but you, you can have up to, you can start up to four wide receivers and receiver ADP gets just destroyed so early in, in that draft every year that I usually just go ahead and draft a bunch of receivers to, to, to start off um, and then pile up some running backs later in the draft who maybe have some standalone value, but mostly I'm getting them so that they could inherit a, a pretty good workload if things break a certain way uh, during the season. So like in the Apex draft, I, I started uh, with five wide receivers right off the top. And, you know, it ends up, you know, kind of being a little bit silly because you have, you know, Devontae Parker as your wide receiver four in a 12-team league. But then, you know, my wide receiver, I mean, my running back one is Leonard Fournette, who who dropped way, <laughs> way low in that draft. Uh, so that, you know, that's not, no one, no one wants to be like, you know, it's not, it's not the best to log on and be like, Leonard Fournette is my RB1 in this league. Uh, but, uh, but it, it, it is, it is creating a, a very, the goal is to create a volatile lineup that yes, I mean, things could go terribly wrong, but when things hit with zero RB and you, and you get those running backs, uh, who inherit a reliable workload, a consistent workload during the season, and you have the elite wide receivers, um, you have a pretty unstoppable team. I mean, it's really like uh, the the philosophy, overarching philosophy, I think, is um, I don't want to finish fourth or fifth in my league. Uh, I'm going to finish 11th out of 12, or I'm going to finish first. Gotcha, gotcha. And some of the some of the logic to it as well is that the running back position carries a level of injury risk that we don't necessarily see at wide receiver. We don't. We obviously we don't see it at quarterback. It is, it is unusually injury prone as a position. Yeah, right, right, right. And um, uh, and then you know hit rates on wide receivers in I, I forget exactly. I think rounds four through seven, uh, very iffy. But you can say the same about running backs. Obviously, yeah. um, you know that. I mean, just rounds four through seven. We're not very good at rounds, you know, at, the, at those <laughs> at those middle rounds, uh, at predicting who will emerge, you know, from those rounds as, as value plays. It's funny, you know, because I I sometimes will see people um, who you know hammer, you know, the traditionalists, you and your and your ilk, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> will say, 
like I know exactly which wide receivers I can get in the fourth and fifth round who will become wide receiver ones. And I think that's ridiculous. But then I, I hear myself saying, I know the running backs I can get in round four and five who can <laughs> emerge as running back ones. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of, kind of similar. Um, but three, three questions, uh, you know, in evaluating what makes a zero RB target. I know we're going to talk a little bit about this, but I just wanted to throw it out here uh, to begin with. Does he have standalone value? Uh, which, you know, is not, absolutely critical but definitely is helpful because you need to start somebody at running back does he have three down ability in the events that the the starter goes down to injury uh or suspension or you know this season i guess covid so that's another question and then the the last question is does he play on a good team and this is not essential but it, it is important because we want a team that is in the position to run the ball and, you know, a team, bad teams are not usually in that spot. Yeah, it's interesting. I think your first point is pretty critical because oftentimes when we talk about uh, uh, good targets for zero RB drafters, they tend to be the players who are the understudies to the starters, right? But you can't, you can't walk away from a draft with nothing but backups, with nothing but rotational runners because you, you, st- you still have to win in the first three, four, five weeks of the season, right? You still have to put yourself in the playoffs and that's a tricky thing to do. And sometimes um, if you're going to do this, you're obviously you're not going to be able to get a featured running back for a great offense. So as you say, you have to start targeting some of the, like you're kind of lucky that Leonard Fournette fell to you as a zero RB running back. And I wouldn't normally tell anyone that they are fortunate to have uh, uh, drafted Leonard Fournette, but outside the first five rounds in almost any format, if you get Fournette, that's at least a workload. Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, you, you you do need somebody who is going to get the ball. Uh, he's not going to get the ball nearly as much as he did last year, probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like the ideal situation, I think, when a guy like Fournette, a guy like Montgomery uh, falls to a certain point where you don't you don't feel so awful about drafting them. Like, you know, Fournette is going in the third round. Montgomery's going in the fourth round. I I, I cannot take those guys there unless it's uh, you know, unless yeah. it's a league where I can only start like two wide receivers or something. Yeah. Is it in your mind? Is it like I I, I feel like zero RB was sort of built up around um, full PPR leagues. Is it a is it a viable strategy outside of full PPR? Because I one, one of my issues with it for a long time has been like the Yahoo's default format is half PPR. Right. And so it is still mostly driven by scoring touchdowns and yardage and if we look at, uh, I think there have been 68 individual seasons in NFL history in which a player has accrued 2,000 scrimmage yards or more, and they're all running backs. And the the highest you'll find a wide receiver on that list is like Calvin Johnson checks in at, in the 70s somewhere, and then like the next 40 guys are running backs too. So like the guys who have the most yardage and the the, the people who have a shot at 20 touchdowns, they're running backs. Um, but PPR obviously changes that. Full PPR definitely changes that. Is it is it something that you can do outside of full BPR? You know, I wouldn't recommend like going pure zero RB, you know, which which means that you're not drafting a, a running back really until like round five, six, seven. Uh, I don't think it just it just doesn't make much sense. I do appreciate that you've come armed with your fake stats uh, about uh, <laughs> running back yardage. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but I'm, a, but I'm actually I'm a I'm a repository of fake stats. It's uh, it, it gets me through every Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know, but you're, but you're right, and I just want to say that even as a zero RB guy, 
if I have the first three picks in a draft this year, um, I'm not, I'm not choosing a wide receiver. So, so uh, that's, um, so that's good. That kind of gets us into, uh, I, I want to eventually talk about running backs by tier. So for you, um, first overall pick, you're not going Michael Thomas. I'm not, I'm, I'm going full CMC. Okay. So let's get into, uh, let's get into running back tiers a little bit. I feel like there's a pretty, cause I feel like that's what we're expected to do here. If we're going to preview the position at all, I feel like there's a pretty clear first tier, second tier. And first of all, it, it's interesting to talk about where Michael Thomas fits in between them, or if he has to be slotted after them. Um, are you, uh, do, do you rank it McCaffrey, Saquon, Zeke, in that order, um, are they interchangeable for you? Can you make a case for anybody else? Number one is CMC himself, like yeah. a tier of one guy. Yeah, I think I think that's right. You know, um, I don't think I could create a an argument uh, where a scenario where he's not on, on a tier of his own. I mean, it, you know, forget about the fact that he's an incredible player. Just the the volume and the the fact that he never comes off the field. You know, these, these are things that don't happen that often with running backs in the NFL. And that's what you have with McCaffrey. I, I actually would have uh, McCaffrey, Barkley, and then Kamara would be my, my third guy. After that, I'm probably going with a wide receiver. Okay, so Michael Thomas generally at four. And then for you, it's it's some combination of... You must start hating the running backs at Derrick Henry, right? It's It's got to be some combination of Zeke... Dalvin Cook, um, maybe Clyde Edwards Hilaire fits in there. Let's talk about him a little bit. And then yeah. and then we get to Henry, a guy who is just simply not like there's no reason to think he's going to catch passes. There may be some idle buzz because there almost always is with guys like this. Oh, hey, they're going to throw to him this year. And then the guy never gets thrown to and he's going to catch like 18 balls. So it does get a little bit dicey if you play in any sort of PPR format when when you're counting on a guy like Derrick Henry, like he can't justify that draft cost unless it's a 1400 yard season with like, with like 12 or 14 touchdowns. Right. Yeah. I mean, I am, you know, I'm one of the many people who just kept fading Henry, like, you know, in daily fantasy last year during that incredible stretch. And you're just thinking, you know, well, it, it can't happen again. This can't happen. No, 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 it can't happen. He's not catching. He's still not catching passes. Like they're running it in negative game script. But it did, and <laughs> yeah. as you as you know, as you know, it did, and I was continually owned. But I have not <laughs> learned my lesson, and uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't love a, a Derrick Henry type, just that that archetype of a guy who doesn't, you know, catch passes, and you have to spend so much draft capital on him. Where do you, where do you have Edwards Hilaire? I've seen him go. You know, this, this won't happen very often, and it's kind of a look at me pick. But I've seen him go first overall, right? Like John Paulson, mutual friend posted a draft mm -hmm. board the other day where he went first overall. I can't, I, obviously I can't imagine, like I, I get a certain argument for Edward Solaire. He's the presumptive featured back after the Damian Williams opt out in the best offense in football. Obviously the chiefs sure. could again be an offense that averages like 33, 35 points per game. The upside is certainly uh, 70 catches and 2000 scrimmage yards in a crazy season in the best offense, maybe ever. He is still a rookie. This is the team that gave us Damian Williams a couple years ago. So it wouldn't be a total shock if they threw in a second running back to take a bunch of the snaps and a bunch of the workload. Um, where are you at on Edwards Hilaire? And is he a first round? Is he a clear first round pick for you or a plausible first round pick for you or not at all? I think you could make the case at the end of the first round in, in PPR. Uh, I, I, I do think that, you know, anyone who, who goes into the season expecting 
Edwards Hilaire to just be fed carries over and over and over again in that offense, I think is go is going to be in for a, uh, you know, an unpleasant week one. You know, I, I can just, I can kind of <laughs> imagine that scenario, you know, but that doesn't mean that he won't be good. That's not, you know, that's not the argument. Uh, the argument is that he'll make a lot of, a lot of hay, as the kids say, in the, in the passing game. Um, but I think you're right. I think that it's extremely plausible that DeAndre Washington or, or, or someone will come in and uh, like a large, you know, a larger, um, Running back, although I guess Washington is pretty much the same size, um, it will come in and and um, kind of eat into that that role a little bit. So I guess I'd be okay with him at the end of the first round. But again, the way that I make build my teams, I, I don't I don't really do that. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so you're kind of out after the first. Those first three guys are off the board through Kamara, and then you're and then you're out on the running back position for like a half an hour of draft time, right? Yeah, yeah right, right. Yes, until. Uh, you know, and, until the 14th round. I'm kidding. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, there, there's, there's a break. OK, so I'm still going to make you talk about some guys um, that you will never, ever draft uh, except by accident when they fall to the sixth round uh, in Apex. So so yeah. right now there are in Yahoo leagues, there are 14 running backs that are drafted inside the top 25 overall. Um, and it ranges from McCaffrey down through Austin Eckler. So anyone in that range, like, first of all, who are your hypothetical imagine for a moment that you are a sane drafter who who was open to all positions in all rounds <laughs> who are some of your favorites from that range and then who are people that you would just not touch not even with one of my rosters right so you're saying if i wasn't a zealot what would i do <laughs> yes that's exactly right okay okay if i, if I was well adjusted how would i draft <laughs> the team um a higher <laughs> testosterone version of denny carter what would what would he do Oh man. Well, he would cut his hair probably. Um, <laughs> I, you know, just fading wise, you know, you, you said to talk a little bit about the guys you would not take in that window. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, got okay. guys that you would absolutely avoid. Let, let's, let, let's think about the yeah. second round guys. So, um, Josh Jacobs, yeah. Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, anybody there jump out to you as someone who yeah. could achieve first round value by 2021. Maybe it's all of them. Maybe it's none of them. Well, certainly Sanders. I mean, you know, if if they actually follow through with all the stuff, you know, they're talking, they're saying about about him, uh, you know, get, getting a lot of a lot more touches, being more of a of a main the, the main guy in the backfield, as Bruce Arians might say. No, I'm just confused. Now that, that's confusing because it's obviously <laughs> we're not talking about the Bucks, but <laughs> I have Ronald Jones on the mind because I just wrote a blurb about Ronald Jones. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I could see Sanders like definitely getting to that level by next year. One, one guy I don't, whose ADP I don't really understand is Aaron Jones. Um, not, I'm not sure mm-hmm. how you feel about him, but you know he scored a touchdown on, on a, nearly seven percent of his touches last year. As the addition of, of Dylan, uh, you know, I mean, he's not going in the first, obviously, and you can usually get him in the middle of the second. Um, but I, I don't, I feel like that's a little lofty. How about you? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, and I haven't, I haven't landed. I, w- I sort of lucked into Jones a couple times last year where he, it, it, not really even me targeting, it was just sort of an accident of how he fell. So that was obviously a gift. I have found myself sort of veering to another position when his is the next name in queue. It's just a weird team coming off a really strange draft. 
I know he's not the I know he's not the full workload guy. And just as they did at the quarterback position, they drafted the heir apparent to a running back who performed really well last year. That's weird. Mm -hmm. Dylan obviously going to have some sort of role. They can't seem to shake Jamal Williams no matter what. So like he's a pretty obvious regression candidate for me. So yeah, I I have I have avoided him largely, and uh, the flip side, I am totally in on Miles Sanders. Really excited about him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he really do- like he dodged the Carlos Hyde bullet. He dodged the at least to this point the Devonte Freeman bullet. I guess that one hasn't hasn't really landed on any team yet, and he could still screw some plans up. But but Sanders obviously somebody with a with a pretty full workload on a team that is going to rack up points and yardage. So we like that. And then Josh Jacobs is the other guy who falls into the second round in an awful lot of leagues who I could, I can reasonably imagine us drafting him as like a top six overall pick last year. He was one of those guys who, whether you're a, you know, grind the, grind the tape um, film watcher, or you're a, uh, an analytics guy, like he just checked every box, right? He was uh, more missed tackles than anyone played through an injury eventually had his season cut short, but he'd, he'd proven everything that there was to prove just needs to add. Like, I feel like the open question with Jacobs is just needs to add like, just give me 20, 25 more receptions. Um, just Mm -hmm. be like a, like a viable player that I don't really have to worry about in any sort of PPR setup. Just get yourself to 45, 50 catches. Then that guy has a path to like 1800 scrimmage yards and just a huge fantasy season. Yeah, I, I remember looking into the uh, splits for Jacobs, the win-loss splits, and thinking that I would find, you know, just a huge drop-off in usage and touches. And it, it, was, it wasn't the case. I mean, he was still, I believe, I don't have it in front of me, but I, he was still seeing about 15 carries per game in, in Raiders' losses last year, which is way more than I than I thought there would be. Uh, and then in, in Raiders wins, it was, you know, I, I believe like 20, 22, something like that per game. It's clear that they want him to be the the centerpiece uh, of the offense. And that's, you know, that means something that that is significant when a team when you know a team wants to operate a certain way, it, whether that's good, you know, from a football standpoint or not. Uh, it's hard to right. say. But the, another thing is, is that, uh, you know, beat writers for the Raiders have written for a couple months now how uh, lots of people within the organization want him to be one Jacobs to be involved in the passing game and don't really understand why he wasn't last year you know it's it's not a skill that he lacks and uh, I know that we can't base our decisions on you know strictly on beat reporter theorizing but I I, I do think you you should take that into account yeah, this is going to be like this is going to be a preseason where all we have is beat writer theorizing, right? So yeah. like we're we're not going to have any preseason tape, we're not going to have any like we're not going to have any actual games to talk about. So like more is placed on the beat writers and the people who blurb what the beat writers say than than ever before, right? Like you're going to be shaping draft draft habits. Yeah, listen, I uh at Roto World as a blurber, you know, you become like the Fed. You know, you 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 just steer <laughs> you steer player ADPs in, in a certain direction. And, you know, so I, I and technically I'm the Fed now. Do you, like, can you imagine a scenario where you're trying to get a trade done in a fantasy league? And so maybe you put a fairly rosy spin <laughs> on a player blurb <laughs> to help sell it? Because Yahoo's going to help launder those player blurbs. Like it doesn't even look like a roto, right? I'll bring it up on my Yahoo page right. and, and all of a sudden right. I've sort of lost the fact that it's actually a Denny Carter blurb. It's something to think mm-hmm. about. 
Yeah, I would never do that. It just so if my Roto World bosses are listening, um, I would never compromise <laughs> the integrity of the blurb uh, ever. But um, but it, you know, it is an idea, Andy. It's one idea. <laughs> Where are you at on? Uh, so I kind of think of him as the end of a tier. I don't know what number tier. Maybe it's the third. Where, where are you at on Austin Eckler? Because it's it's a weird yeah. offense where. Uh, almost everything is in place from the season before, except the most important position on the field. Right. So I'm actually uh, writing a piece for Roto World uh, that I get to plug now uh, on um, what Tyrod Taylor starting means for the pass catchers and the Chargers offense. Um, uh. Since it seems, you know, that Taylor is is the odds on favorite. You know, so far, it, it historically, it doesn't look uh, fantastic uh, for Eckler. <laughs> but that but but that but that sort of ignores we you know like we talked about with Jacobs um the Chargers seem keen on him being maybe not the centerpiece but but pretty close to the centerpiece of the offense and using him in various ways and kind of forcing him the ball you know they, they they don't use that language of course no no team would but I think that he can meet his cost and maybe exceed it a little bit uh, you know, because of the way that the team clearly sees him and and, and wants to use him this year, um, you know, the, the Rivers' loss is big. I think is 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 big for him, but I I don't think that it makes sense. I see one argument against Eckler is like he's only going to see 150 carries, 170 carries tops, something like that, right? And how how can you draft a guy that high who's only going to see that many carries? But that's completely ignoring the reason he's he's been lethal in fantasy football is his yeah. uh you know pat, his pass catching production that that's where it's at so people focused on oh, 150 carries I, I don't care about a guy getting 150 that, that shouldn't matter a whole lot with a guy like that yeah it neglects the 115 targets that he's going to see or the 120 targets or some silly total so yeah um it's not entirely running back related but since you're writing about tyrod um who takes who takes the biggest hit on that team is it keenan is it mike williams is it henry i actually think it's good for mike williams you know, I, I think Mike Williams profiles uh, something, you know, s- similar maybe to Sammy Watkins when Watkins had his big year with huh. uh, with Tyron. You know, I don't think he's going to see the same opportunity unless unless, you know, there's there are lots of injuries in the wide receiver group there. I think it's bad for Keenan Allen, you know, and and how bad I, I'm still kind of uh, processing that with all the with all the data I'm collecting on it. But um it makes me very hesitant to draft him at ADP, but you know, he could, it could be a thing. It could be a thing where Keenan Allen drops to the point where he becomes like a, why not type of pick? Um, even with, yeah, you know, Ty, Tyrod as his quarterback. All right, let's get to this. Um, and, and I think we'd probably agree that these next couple of tiers, I don't know, maybe it's a, maybe it's two dozen names. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's 20 names. There's, there's just this minefield at running back between like rounds three and, and five and six. Right. And my answer to that is make sure I get a running back in the first couple of rounds. And your answer to that is more often than not, let's just bypass the position entirely until we get to like round seven, but it is a minefield and people are out there drafting from it. So we've got like once great old guys like Le'Veon, like David Johnson here, we have guys who kind of check a lot of boxes, but have never done it over a full season. James Conner, Raheem Mostert, guys like that. We have at least one pretty buzzy rookie here in Jonathan Taylor. From this, from this vast 
kind of horrible, but sometimes interesting group. Um, who do you hate and who do you love? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of potential in that group volume wise, you know, um, you know, Bell is still the only game in town, you know, in, in, in New York, yeah. like, you know, who, who else is going to get it? And that offense was, you know, a nightmare last year. It, you know, I, I, obviously we, we all saw that and experienced it for those of us who drafted jets, but <laughs> you know, they are, they are due for a lot of yardage and touchdown regression. Uh, this year, I don't know if regression still applies to Adam Gase offenses, but I'm I'm hoping it does. Um, I guess that's <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're we're going for right here. Uh, and I think that Le'Veon's ADP has been suppressed enough by the debacle of last year and the emergence of of other you know cowbell. Now, I always said cowbell. Why do I always say cowbell? Cow. Bell cow. <laughs> I mean, literally, I, I like time, cowbell running back. Right, we need we need more cowbell. Uh, <laughs> the, and but uh, you know um, uh, the emergence of uh, of more three, we'll call them three down running backs. You know, so he's kind of the forgotten the forgotten guy. And I I don't think that he's you know like an awful pick. I mean, again, I'm not usually t- looking for a running back in that spot unless I'm playing in a certain kind of league, maybe. Um, but I, I don't I don't hate him there. How about you? I kind of do hate him uh, only because he, he's just he's just another guy who's fighting against r- really like historical context here. There's 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 virtually no one who's been as inefficient as he was last year on that kind of volume who's ever gone on to have a good season <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like it just at that age. Right. Like unless you're mm-hmm. unless you're a first year player who has a really inefficient season and then you kind of you, you kind of bring it forward into your into your sophomore season. There are not very many. There are not very many veteran running backs who've been like three point two yards per carry bad, not just like kind of bad, but but remarkably like historically inefficient and then gone on to to get it back um and then you just look at the greater offensive context there's just so many things that have to that have to work on a team that's added some new pieces that that has highly questionable coaching that has some glaring weaknesses um i guess if i'm taking one of the old guys uh maybe it's probably david johnson over Le'Veon bell it's probably neither but i'm i'm maybe a little bit more interested in david johnson Another super questionable coaching situation. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm veering from one nightmare coach to another. Yeah, I mean, I I feel I'm kind of on the on the other side of the spectrum. I, I like Bell over over Johnson. I, I just I just can't get with Johnson's decline. I know that Bell's declining too, uh, and, you know, as as happens with with running backs not named Adrian Peterson. But I would prefer Bell right now, if only because I feel like his his position or his uh, role with the team is more secure than David Johnson's. I think I could be wrong. I feel like the, I feel like the guy in this, the guy gets drafted in this range typically that I actually view as somebody who should get taken much earlier. And this is, you know, it'd be interesting to get your spin on, on this team's offense is Mark Ingram. Like I'm super interested in Mark Ingram. Um, You don't have to pay for any of last year's stats. Nobody is making you pay for it. He was great last year, better than five yards per carry, 15 touchdowns, an offense that I don't know, maybe they don't give us that many points again, but he like you can regress from 15 touchdowns and it's still really, really good. Mm-hmm. I know they added Dobbins. They have a lot of rushing talent on the team. I very rarely like when 
when something just stone cold works for a team, just absolutely works. And Ingram was great last year, no matter who else is on the roster. I just rarely expect that team to try to do something different the following season when it worked so spectacularly well. I can I can imagine a scenario where they want to get Dobbins a little bit of burn so that Ingram can get to December healthy and get to the postseason healthy. But I just can't imagine Ingram's role changing a whole lot. I kind of, at the time, I viewed Dobbins as a, like, basically their running back of the future, but not the immediate future. And I haven't, I haven't really read or seen anything that makes me, um, that makes me feel any differently. Like I kind of feel like Mark Ingram should still be a top 12, top 15 fantasy running back, at least in our ranks. Nobody's drafting him that way. I think that you're right. I mean, I I know that as a zero RB truther, I, I tend to be a vulture, you know, circling over the Baltimore backfield, uh, (laughs) you know, waiting, you know, waiting for the opportunity, you know, you're just, you're just, it's just the, the prospect of, of, of being, of getting the main guy in that backfield late, late in the draft is, is just too much to pass up for me. But it's also, it could be just being too cute. Like you said, like it worked, you know, Ingram, they didn't running run Ingram into the ground. Uh, and they brought in competition, which has kept his, his ADP low. Uh, you know, much lower than if they had not, you know, so it's like last season never happened. Will it happen again for him in the same way? Uh, Probably not, but that doesn't really matter at that price point, right? I mean, he doesn't have to put up last year's numbers in order to meet or exceed uh, that, that ADP. You know, I end up with a lot of Dobbins and, and, you know, for obvious reasons, but I, yeah, I couldn't blame anybody for just saying, okay, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to outsmart myself. I'll just take Ingram here. Yeah. I, I also, I'm not totally convinced that it's, um, that Gus Edwards isn't still the guy in the, in the second chair, right? Like they love him. Sure. They've, they've loved him for a couple seasons. He was, mm-hmm. he was really good last year. I, I don't know. It's just, I always have a difficult time imagining that a team that was spectacularly successful using something one year is going to do something totally different the next year just because we're excited about a guy. Like, I feel really good about Dobbins long term. I don't I don't feel spectacular about him in in 2020. Let me um, let me start going rapid fire on some teams um, because I am I am interested in what's a guy that people have heard me talk about um, enough. I really like DeAndre Swift. Um, and I feel like we've kind of turned him into a gift for the zero RB drafters. Like yeah. he, he's, he, to me is that guy who, who checks absolutely every box that you mentioned earlier, right? Like he has, he has a path to a three down workload. I know he's a really good player. Like I saw it last year, like nobody, nobody humiliated Alabama, uh, any worse <sighs> than Deandre Swift did a couple of years ago. Like he's a, he's a really good player against the best collegiate competition. I, I think that guy's really good and he's going to be attached to a good offense. So he really just needs to shake care on Johnson. And then we've turned him into somebody that you can get in like the sixth round, the seventh round where the, where the zero RB vultures start swooping in. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I leave a draft without uh swift, I, I feel bad about myself uh, because <laughs> I, he, cause you said, like you said, I mean, he's, he's there, like he's right in the sweet spot for the way that I like to make, to build my team. And uh, so if I miss on him, I either, I either got too cute and thought that he might be around for one more round uh, and he wasn't uh, or, you know, I, I went with someone else just because carry on is still there. And, I, and, and yes, I kind of have my doubts, but, um, but yeah, no, no, no. Swift, Swift is an excellent target 
for for people who go wide receiver heavy to start a draft. I you know if you if you start running back heavy, I, I don't really know why you would end up with a guy like Swift. But you know for me, yeah, I th- I, I like Swift in the seventh a lot. Yeah, I guess my typical draft habit is to walk away from like the first five or six rounds with probably two running backs. And then like Swift is constantly one of my flexes, Um, Mm -hmm. either my only flex or one of my two flexes or whatever. Um, I I just always like him about a round more than the than the rest of the room. It it feels like a rookie that I don't have a lot of because I, I don't personally feel that I have a great read on the team's backfield. But I would also acknowledge that it could be a, a total goldmine. Um, is uh, the Rams? I have not pulled the trigger on Cam Akers yet. I can't convince myself that it's definitely Cam Akers. But again, I I fully acknowledge that if it is, he, like he could be a star. Sure. Yeah. I I mean, I, if you have clarity at any point this summer on uh, who you know who's going to get that starting gig, then let me know. You know, you can uh, DM me through our secret. Yeah, because that guy's going to be like a uh, second rounder, third rounder, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. DM me through our secret uh, industry um, <laughs> communication app. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, that's yeah, only uh, that's only for the verified users, Denny. Sorry. Oh, it is, but you know what, Andy? I'll, I'll never be verified, and I, I refuse. <laughs> I've told I told Twitter, I told Twitter, I told Jack Dorsey to his face. I said, if you verify me, <laughs> I'm done. I'm leaving the site. So, uh, yeah. and they said, um, oh God, no, we can't risk that. <laughs> exactly. Um, what, what what are we talking about? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we're talking about the Rams and the Rams have all Rams, these stretchy Rams. options. And then they have the option that we don't like. We don't really know what what Cam yeah. Akers, what a full season of Cam Akers well, would look like. I think Akers price is too high right now, um, even to dabble with, um, because it's just the the uncertainty is is tremendous in that backfield. I, I find myself, you know, being more interested in like Henderson much later. I think is Henderson going what, in the 11th. Uh, of a 12 team league something like that super late yeah 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 and and um you know i feel more comfortable just kind of scooping him up and seeing what happens rather than spending a seventh rounder on acres um i've seen him go earlier than that Uh, i just i just feel like unless you have like some special insight into what the rams are going to do that seems like a huge risk to me adp wise Uh, i mean mcveigh is out there Talking about what a, a four-way yeah. uh, backfield? What a four-way? I mean, is he trying to kill us? I mean, I I, I feel I felt like I was going to go into cardiac arrest when he when he said that. So <laughs> I I don't know. I, Acres is too rich for me. So who are the guys? Like, uh, let's say that you've had a perfectly disciplined zero RB draft. You've gone six seven rounds. You have like five wide receivers, a tight end. But you are finally starting to get the the running back sweats, and you know, like you know, you got to fill the position. Who who are the guys that you have drafted most frequently so far? The uh, the running back sweats is a medical condition, Andy. <laughs> I appreciate if you didn't make fun of it. The, right, um, right. I apologize. Yeah. to all the sufferers. So it, uh, <laughs> it's okay. See, uh, I actually in my notes, I actually had I end up with a lot of Swift and a lot of Kareem Hunt. Uh, and then when David Montgomery falls uh, into the fifth or sixth round, I, I end up with him. And 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 I also have my notes as unsexy as that is because it is. I mean, David Montgomery is the least sexy draft pick that you can possibly make. Um, and, and it's just it's hard to look at a guy who had almost 270 touches last year, uh, who whose role will remain intact. Um, and now you know we're getting reports, Andy. That he's in the best shape of his life, so you, you have to adjust shape those ranks of his life. 
We have a percent uh, uh, body yeah. fat on David Montgomery, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. What is it? Do you remember? I forget. I think um, it's I think it's eight percent. Eight percent. Adjust the damn ranks at eight <laughs> percent. You have you have to. Um, but <laughs> it's, just, it's funny. It's funny, you know, because it, it's just the, those are the kind of things that actually do move ADPs. But yeah, so those are the guys. You know, I also end up with a lot of Dobbins, like I said, a lot, and, and then I've been ending up with a lot of Matt Breida. Um, which may be a sign of, oh, of just total. What you say? No, that's perfect. That's a that's a team that I wanted to ask you about too. Um, because yeah, I feel yeah. like it might not be terrible in that backfield. Breida's a really interesting player. He's obviously a more competent receiver than Jordan Howard, but Howard is so complicated because he's such a you know obviously he's not like a super inventive back. He, he's more of a paint by numbers guy, right? Like he'll get what's what's blocked. There's an annoying number of drops. He's not he's not an essential player in a passing game, but he always carves out a role, and he and he could take the role in goal to go situations for that team too. So he could get some of the most valuable carries. But Brita has been so good with the Niners when even when not healthy, he's been good, and when healthy, he's been spectacular. So yeah, talk talk him up. Talk this backfield generally. Right, right. Uh, you know, the Vegas has Vegas has the Dolphins winning five and a half games this year, I believe. I, actually, it could be six now. And I don't know if Jordan Howard profiles as a great, you know, option on a team that won't win a lot of games. Um, I think yeah. he could he could be useful. He he will be useful when the Dolphins face positive game scripts. Uh, but you know, good luck, good luck guessing when when that will happen. I guess is the is the thing, um, you know. And, and Brita is has been a good pass catcher. His athletic comps are off the charts, um, as you know. Yeah. And he's not too pricey right now. That might change, you know, with with, with beat reporters talking him up during the summer. I mean, you know, on the practice field, there's no one more impressive than Matt Brita, uh, as as we've seen from people who, who cover the, you know, cover, who cover the Niners. So just waiting for that to hit. Now the injuries are always, always a thing with him. I don't like to call a guy injury prone, but you know, it's hard. It's hard right. to ignore with but he's, him. But he's also had I, some of his best games when the, when the injury notes are at their worst, right? Like we're, we're terrified that he won't even play. He's got, he's got an ankle, he's got a peg leg, he's got whatever. And then he goes out and he has like one of his <laughs> best games of the season. I know. I forgot about all the Brita uh, injury panics. You know, he's he's yeah. a guy, and I'm I'm not making fun. Trust me. I mean, I would absolutely die on the football field if I ever got hit <laughs> by anybody, uh, just instantly. Um, but you know, when he goes down, it, you know, it looks bad. It looks really yeah. bad. And so, yeah. So then he comes back and he and he get, he gets ten carries and it goes for 140 yards. Um, right. And so he's just really explosive guy. And if you're drafting a zero RB team or even like a, what do they call it? A moder, moderated, mo, uh, modulated R zero RB. What is it called? <laughs> um, anyway, modified, yeah, modulated, uh, modified, modified. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, a, um, a squishy zero RB team. Uh, <laughs> then I think that the, that Brita makes a lot of sense to just scoop up even, you know, even if he's not going to like start week one for your team. Yeah, I feel like the last team that uh, that we have to hit, and I don't have a good read on them, and I think it's an acceptable answer to say you're staying away entirely. It's totally acceptable. Washington, the Washington football team, Washington FC, whatever we're calling them. We're not going to get Darius Geis this year. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, tip, tip of the cap to the team for cutting ties with him over a, a terrible situation. Uh-huh. 
we're left with Adrian Peterson, who who always carves out a role, unless it's Sean Payton's offense, always carves out a role, and will probably do so again. And uh, everybody's favorite fantasy sleeper, Antonio Gibson, who barely ever ran the ball as a collegiate player. He ran 33 times as a collegiate player. Um, good, good receiver, highly productive. What can he possibly know about pass protection in the NFL? <laughs> and we've barely seen him as a running back. I get it. He's been talked up. Um, the coaching staff loves him. Wh- like, who is your play in the Washington backfield if you have one at all? Yeah, so Gibson's already up to the ninth round. Uh, and, and I'm sure that we're going to see him continue to rise I wouldn't be surprised if he gets into the seventh round in 12 team leagues eventually. But yeah, I mean, I, I sometimes log on to Twitter. Well, I'm always logged on to Twitter, but I sometimes am on Twitter and, <laughs> and, uh, and I see people talking about his, you know, average yards per carry in college. And I'm like, did I miss something here? The guy it's 30, it's 33 carries. Like, well, what are we, what are we talking about? You know, it's not, yeah, I mean, I I thought that I was losing my mind the other day because it was like no one averages this per carry. I was like, that's because no one has thirty three college carries. What what is this? <laughs> uh, you know, I I really really like. I used to like the idea of Antonio Gibson in the twelfth round yeah. or whatever. Like that sounded pretty great to me. Now now in the ninth, maybe you know, up to this eighth or seventh. I, I think I'm out. I, th- I think I might be out. And, you know, uh, no one wants to hear this. No one. And I don't even want to say it. But Adrian Peterson's going to get a lot of run this year. Um, and yeah, that's just like Adrian Peterson a is a sneaky like, candidate for a thousand rushing yards. Like he's there's going to be a big season for Peterson, unfortunately. I, I mean, I, I like I'm really sorry to say this and I hope it doesn't get me drummed out of the industry, but. <laughs> is it it's definitely <laughs> here we go um it's definitely in the r- range of outcomes that peterson outscores gibson by a ton yeah yeah i i agree this feels like a little bit like the henderson hype last year where it just got a little bit out of control and you know there's a there's a huge learning curve in my mind for antonio gibson i'm sure they're really excited about him he can like one thing I suppose uh, to his credit, he can share the field with Adrian Peterson. I mean, you can use him in a lot of ways. He doesn't have to be lined up in the backfield. He's a pretty versatile player. I, I don't know that he can survive in pass protection coming out of a role in Memphis where he was barely a running back at all ever, barely any rushing attempts. It's just a big learning curve for him. I'm I'm pretty sure that's going to be an Adrian Peterson situation. Maybe we see a little bit of love, maybe love in the final round is the answer there. Um, or maybe, again, avoiding the backfield entirely is is the thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, love in the final round is the name of your next novel. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's actually that's a really good way to end a podcast. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't I didn't mean to throw the name of the novel out there, but there it is. There it is, folks. You can pre-order on uh, Amazon. Uh, that'll be available as soon as I sit down to write it. Um, it's not family friendly. No, no, no. It's certainly not an all ages novel. Um, it's not one of my. It's not going to be one of my one of my pop up series, right? It's not going to be that. It's um, yeah. It's a it's a bodice ripper um, about the fantasy industry, like like most of mm-hmm. my writing. Love in the final round, <laughs> Denny. It has been awesome having you on the pod. Uh, really, really grateful to you for uh, for jumping on, and really happy to have you at, at Roto World now, where people are going to be able to read you a little bit on Yahoo's platform again. Follow his unverified 
Twitter feed. I don't recommend very many of those. It's at CD Carter 13. Denny is an absolute joy. It would be great to um, get you back on the pod when we get into pumpkin spice season. But I, but I know your time is really, is really in demand that, that time of year. I, I, I'd love to come back on. We can uh, enjoy a pumpkin spice together. I, I will be pouring mine out on the floor. You can drink <laughs> yours, whatever. <laughs> you can enjoy a natty light. I will enjoy a pumpkin spice. Uh, something. Uh, what? What? Other than the uh, other than the Chargers preview piece, what is coming up on Roto World? Yeah. Um, well, lots of blurbs, and um, <laughs> I will include my rankings there soon, so they can literally adjust the ranks when I when I'm done with that. Oh, people can watch some, you adjust the ranks in real time. That's amazing. In real, yeah, right, right, right. It's it'll be on. Uh, I'll have it, you know, live on Periscope. You can you can watch it happen. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then I'm just doing a, you know a lot of work as usual with DraftDayConsultants.com. Um, you know, we have a great team of consultants there who help uh, fantasy drafters with uh, with their upcoming drafts. And then you know throughout the season, we help you work the waiver wire. So lots of work there. Awesome. Uh, thanks again, Denny. Uh, folks, we got a lot of other podcasts on the on the sort of Yahoo Sports podcast network. Uh, Fantasy Baseball. Come join Scott Pianowski on the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast. Occasionally, I will drop in and co-host or guest on that pod. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. They just had Warren Sharp on. It was a great episode. Almost every episode of that pod is sort of secretly a fantasy episode, but with Warren on it was... It it was really terrific. Check out the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Wetzel, with Thamel, with our, our good friend, Pat Forty. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons. He, once again, at CD Carter 13. Tomorrow, it's going to be Matt Harmon and Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis to talk wide receivers. Until then, we are out. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.